If you watch this podcast and you do one thing after watching this podcast, I want you to do this thing. If you are on Twitter or Reddit or anywhere else and you see someone being hateful, harassing people, or otherwise just being an asshole for any reason, the block button is free. Ladies, gentlemen, and those with the good sense to do away with the whole notion, I welcome you to the premier audio medium for all your Fazbear Entertainment needs. The Freddy Fazbear Pizza Podcast. Note, FFPP is not responsible for any loss of appetite, disinterest, dismemberment, or other legally classified statuses. So strap in and enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Freddy Fazbear Pizza Podcast. I'm your host with the Toast Right Toast here to talk about Five Nights at Freddy's like we always do. So... Um, you might have looked at the title and last time I was like, oh, we're back to weekly podcasts and we're not. So, okay, <laughs> that, that's a lot all at once. Um, I want to get back to weekly podcasts and I should be able to now that we're in January. Um, just with the holidays, it's so difficult because I do not have a backlog for these. Um, I really want to. I think ideally, I, I said this publicly, so hopefully that'll help me commit to it. I want to, by the end of the year, have like a three-week backlog of weekly videos and shorts and podcasts, specifically not only so that if something happens like the holidays, they don't get missed, but also I think it would be really fun to be able to release um, the weekly videos a week early for members. I think that would be super fun. Um, So that's something I'm trying to do in the background. We'll see if I'm able to do it, but... Uh, in the meantime, if a podcast gets missed, oops, or for the like, I haven't posted shorts in like a month because it's just been so busy and they they make the like just being super candid and on the table. Shorts make almost no money. I'm basically making them for free, which is fine. You know, like the main draw for shorts is that they bring a lot of attention to the channel. Um, historically on this channel, if I've ever had a big subscriber jump, it's because a short did well. Um, and that does translate to the long form videos, not only because you can link them directly to long form videos, but just because the, the YouTube algorithm has fixed the bridge there. So they understand if a short does well, I'm going to recommend long form videos to that person. So like the shorts are mainly to get attention on the channel. And, but because of that, because they don't make any money, um, if I get incredibly busy like I did over these past few months, especially with the moving shenanigans, uh, then it doesn't really, they're the first on the chopping block. And then next is the podcast, which does actually make money for the channel, but it just, um, it's not as important as the Friday video, which has turned into the Monday or Tuesday video this past month. But you know, we, we it, it is how it is. Um, but like I said, last podcast episode, I was like, oh, I didn't even get to talk about like half the stuff I wanted to with Help Wanted 2. We're going to do another Help Wanted 2 episode. We will. This was supposed to be the Help Wanted 2 episode. But not only did I miss a week, so it got delayed, uh, the world blew up yesterday. Here I am enjoying a nice breakfast with my wife and kids at Denny's. And I get my phone blowing up on Twitter. So I, I don't look at it. I'm like, whatever. I'll look at it later. I get home, I open up, and I have so many notifications because um, Scott posted to Reddit, and that's what we're talking about today. So get some popcorn. It's a long story, and it's today's video isn't really going to mostly be about what he said, but I really want to try to focus on the community response because I think it's honestly kind of embarrassing 
as a community that this is the way that the community reacts when the creator says anything on the internet at this point. So let's do context, shall we? Um, if you are a fan of the channel or FNAF in general and you're on the online communities, you probably know about the book canonicity debate or rather the book continuity debate. Essentially, a lot of the, the fandom is kind of split down the middle on whether specifically the Tales from the Pizzaplex books, and at least that's the modern like focus, but the Tales of the Pizzaplex books and um, the Stitch Wraith Stingers, which are the epilogues to the Fazbear Frights books. Um, but those two, the Stitch Wraith Stingers and some of the Fazbear stories and Tales from the Pizzaplex, pretty much as, the, as a whole, the fandom is split on whether these stories fit within the game li- the game timeline continuity. So a lot of the it gets shortened a lot to are the books canon. But Scott has stated multiple times everything produced officially by Fazbear is canon to FNAF. However, that doesn't mean they're within the same timeline. He said that multiple times. So like the Silver Eyes, the Silver Eyes is canon. That's a FNAF thing. But the Silver Eyes doesn't happen within the game's timeline. We're we're pretty sure on that. Um, and then like some of the Fazbear Fright stories, like Into the Flesh, which is the one where uh, the MatPat parallel gives birth to Springtrap, which is a whole thing. Um, it's it's actually a pretty good story, but it's wild. Um, that's not canon. Well, it's canon. It's canon to FNAF, but it doesn't happen in the game's timeline. So the real question, I gotta scoot over. The real question is, how much of these, how much and which of these stories take place within the game continuity which is a more specific term and continuity just refers to like the actual timeline of events within the games whereas canon is more broad and it's like is this official essentially so the debate is are these stitch wraith stingers and some of the fazbear fright story aka the man in room uh, 1280 and a couple others and the entirety of tales from the pizzaplex are these stories within the game's timeline um and it, like I said, if you've been following the channel, if you're on the FNAF like online community, it does not come as a surprise to you. You know already this is a huge debate, which it's pretty much like the main modern FNAF debate because it does solve a lot. Like if the books are within continuity, that's like a whole slew of answers that we can work with. If they're not in continuity, then the question becomes, OK, well, are they parallels? Are they informing things about the game that we haven't heard of yet? Or the most frustrating option some of it is in continuity. Um, and for an example of this, I looked at the Silver Eyes, right? The Silver Eyes, we're pretty damn sure is not in continuity. But the Silver Eyes does give us names, locations, methods, you know, things like that. Like it gives us the rules we're working with, like uh, Charlotte Emily, Henry Emily. Um, those names are never said in the games. They're introduced specifically in the books, but because of the circumstances around those characters, we can then look at characters in the games and be like, oh, this character in the game is named Henry Emily, and he did this, this, and this. You know? So that's where the... the, That gets kind of frustrating, though, because then it's like, okay, well, then what is important? What isn't important? That becomes a whole new debate. So that debate has gone on for a long time with a lot of good evidence on both sides. Um, it's kind of embarrassingly heated. It always has been to the point where like a lot of people get very, very angry with each other, which is kind of ridiculous. If you ask me, like 
if you're ever online in the FNAF community and you're looking at somebody else's theory and you get genuinely angry, you need to log off. You need to touch grass. That is insane to me. You can hate a theory. You can be like, that's stupid. You think that's dumb. Don't like shit on the person who said it. What is wrong with you? Like what is if you if you look at someone, if someone comes up to me, if someone if I'm on Twitter and I see a Twitter post where they literally say like Michael Afton is the phone guy and he's also Springtrap, but he's also the guy from Sister Location. Is that completely off base and definitely wrong? Yes. Is that a really bad theory? Yes. Is there no evidence that backs it up? Yes. Does that if I looked at that theory and my first reaction is I need to I need to go to this person's replies or DMs, say they're an idiot, say they're stupid, and that they need to s- shut up and listen more. Guys, it's a fucking video game about a haunted bear pizza restaurant. It's not that important. Okay? Like, it's fine to be passionate. I love how passionate and creative this fandom is. But the idea that you would be angry or hateful to people for even in for even being actually wrong but it's half the time i see this on both sides of not even being actually wrong like someone will just say a theory that isn't technically wrong it's just not provably right but because it doesn't agree with what you think you go on there and you're like wow what an idiot like you are so dumb. How could you possibly say that? Like, you need to you need to leave the fandom. You need to, like, what is wrong with you? Like, even if they were actually wrong, that doesn't excuse it, right? Like, if someone is actually wrong, they're allowed to be fucking wrong, right? Like, I don't, it's so embarrassing sometimes to be a part of this fandom when you look around and see the way people talk online. But let's let's go into what has stirred a lot of anger recently. So I think at this point of recording, like so I'm recording Sunday. I'm recording the day this goes up because um, I'm I'm so behind. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it was Friday. Somebody posted to the FNAF subreddit a now that we a, a at the time they claimed a real email from Scott Cawthon. Um, oh, I should have pulled that up. Let me do that. Okay, here we go. Sorry, it took some finding because the Reddit post has since been deleted because it should have been because fuck you for faking something like this. Anyway, somebody emailed Scott and well, somebody emailed Scott and they were like, hey, are the books canon? I'm confused. And like it was a whole thing. It's fake. So who cares? But here's the fake email that they said was legitimately from Scott. Hi there. I understand your concern, and it's been a growing concern within the community about what the novellas entail for the canon of FNAF. You brought up what I said in a Steam post years ago, and that still applies even now, but I've noticed that there has been a difference of opinion in regards to what I said, which I understand. I had created the Fazbear Fright series in order to clear up confusion regarding the story, but now I realize that by doing so, I had only contributed to the confusion, as my intentions had not come off as clear as I thought they were. I've avoided, like, already, I don't know how anyone believed this was real. Because the idea that, first off, this isn't the first time somebody emailed Scott. But two, the idea that Scott would ever be like, hey, I'm trying to give explicit and clear answers. He never has. But anyway, 
I've avoided giving an explicit answer ever since the Steam post. I wanted to see if the fan base could figure it out themselves, and, I, and so I did try and steer people toward the correct interpretation by leaving hints in Security Breach, but it seems like they weren't noticed by a lot of people. I don't want to see people bicker in a fight like this. It reminds me of the Bite of 87 and Mic Trap debates. It's not something I'm necessarily fond of seeing. What are you talking about? Like, this is so fit. Anyway, I've gone a long time without an answer, so I can end this now. The Fazbear Frights books have certain stories that are in the continuity of the games, those stories being the ones that connect to a larger plotline concerning Andrew, Larson, and Jake. And Tales from the Pizzaplex's entirety in the con- and Tales from the Pizzaplex's entirety is in the continuity of the games. I hope that I was able to be of help. Hold on, Casey is messing with my shit. Go away. So this went around and people believed it. Some people most people didn't believe it to to be fair, but some people did and it caused a huge stir and it was like Casey. I don't know what his problem is. I literally fed him before I started recording. He's just a menace. Um, But it still caused a lot of stir. And then people were like, well, Scott needs to come out and say if this is fake or not. Bro, this cat is on one. So people were like, hey, Scott needs to clear this up. And I didn't think he needed to. Um, And a lot of people were being like, hey, I hope that Scott finally answers this question because of this whole issue. I was hoping he didn't. And I don't think he did, but we'll get into it because personally, I feel like if Scott actually like turned around and said, okay, this is fake, but I see that this is an issue. So let me give a real answer. I feel like that would set a bad precedent. I feel like to me, if he did that, he would essentially be telling the online community, hey, if you pretend to me, if you pretend to be me online and spread misinformation, I'm going to reward that. Like that's what that says to me. So I I was hoping he wouldn't. And I don't think he did. So a day goes by. And we get this comment on a separate post. So first off, he commented on that post saying, I forget what it was. It was something like, was like, come on seriously and like and needing a eyes rolling emoji. So it seems like he was saying this is fake. But then later he comments this. I'm not sure if the email itself was faked or if someone posing as me sent it. But anyone who knows me after all these years should know that this isn't how I would address such a serious topic, which again is a great point. Um. Like, the idea that Scott would settle this debate by sending an email and letting somebody else post it is insane. You know he would post it himself. So let me take this opportunity to be as clear as possible. Concerning what people are saying about the canonicity of the books, yes, that is correct. I hope that clears things up. Everyone have a great weekend. So the internet uh, lit on fire immediately. And I would say a majority of people that already thought the books were in continuity took this comment as confirmation and ran with it. Um, I don't think it is uh, immediately. And again, I get accused a lot of being anti-book canonicity. I never have. I would love for the books to be in continuity. I just don't believe they are. I really don't. Um, I, I think there's too many things that don't add up. And I've said that multiple times in multiple different ways. Regardless, I would love for them to be because I want I just want an answer. I at this point I, I would love for them to be but I don't even care I don't care if they are in continuity or not in continuity I just wish we knew so we could know what we're working with because he's done it in the past with Fazbear Frights and Silver Eyes he came out and he's like hey the Silver Eyes no the Fazbear Frights some of them are it's mainly to help you figure stuff out he just needs to say something like that for Tails that's all I'm asking anyway To me, this reads as Scott giving a non-answer, like he always has. And it reads as a joke, straight up. So let me take this opportunity to be as clear as possible. Concerning what people are saying about the books, yes. I hope that clears things up. 
like it it it's such an obvious joke to me where it's first off never in this post does he say people are saying the books are are uh, canon people are saying the books aren't in continuity people are saying the books uh, people are saying uh Andrew is real. People are saying the tales are in continuity. People are saying that the tales aren't in continuity. He never once says that. And he does it on purpose because he knows there are people on both sides of this debate. So when he says concerning what people are saying about the canonicity of the books, he's being explicitly vague so that it's a non-answer, which he follows up with. Yes, that is correct. Um, And, and it's it's emphasized by the fact that right before it, he says, so let me take this opportunity to be as clear as possible and ends it with, I hope that clears things up because he knows it didn't, it doesn't clear things up. He knows that. So to me, and I, I said this immediately, like you realize I, I tweeted out guys, you realize this is Scott literally not confirming either way. As always, he's trolling us in regards to what people are saying. Yes. People are saying they are. And People are saying they are, and people are saying they aren't. He's saying yes to a multiple-choice question to troll us, like he always does. This is Mangle again. What is Mangle's gender? Yes. He always does this. But regardless, um, there are some people online. So, and I followed up with, look, you guys can take it as confirmation. I think he's just doing what he literally has always done his entire career, be intentionally vague on purpose. So... I I don't want to be petty about this, so I'm not going to be, like, reading off usernames or anything like that. I, I need to be responsible as a creator. I would never do something like that. But I need to talk about how people are talking about this. So I'm going to be trying to paraphrase as much as possible so I don't say somebody's literal post word for word. Because I can say, hey, don't search these words, don't find these people, don't harass these people as much as I want. But as a creator, if I even read a post word for word, one of you motherfuckers in the audience... We'll search it and harass them because people are crazy. It's the internet. People are crazy. So I'm going to paraphrase as much as possible. So if you search any of these posts, if I do my job correctly, you won't find them because I don't want you to. This isn't to harass anybody. I just need to like talk about how people are reacting to this post because there's a lot of normal people reacting to this post. For example, a lot of my replies honestly have been pretty good where like, um, and if if someone's being a nice person and it's like a mutual, I'll probably say it. like right now, like Hyperdroid, great guy came on. Like, I can't believe you had the literal perfect chance to finally finish the debate that's gone on for years. But he decided to be just vague enough that it can fairly be interpreted both ways. Fully agree. That's a, a, a correct, of course, take um, as somebody else. And then there's a, there's also this where I've seen a lot, which we'll get into. Um, somebody said uh, that they're pre that they're sure they're like kind of certain that. Um, Scott's responding to the email. And so in that way, that's what people are saying about the books, which is like a fair interpretation. And like I said, you can use this as evidence for either side. And I'm fine with that. Everyone should be fine with that. The idea though, and the, this is what I'm getting into more so than what this comment means for canonicity. I think the community's response to it is really indicative of a serious problem in the fandom um, where instead of, like in any other fandom I've been in, if the creator would come out and say something like this that's like kind of vague and can go both ways, it would be, haha, that's so funny, I'm going to use it or I'm going to ignore it. But for some reason in this community, the reaction was, oh, it must mean this, and if you disagree with me, you're fucking insane. Which is, like, why would you, what, how can you have that reaction over a, like a jokey comment by the creator? 
All you're doing is making the creator look at this and go, man, I really never want to go online again because I say something and people start screaming at each other. Why, why should I ever say anything? Like, that's insane to me. Um, uh, and, and like I said, a lot of the other replies are in my, at least on my post, are pretty similar where it's like, fan base, are the books canon or not? Scott, yes. So does this mean you'll clarify the continuity of the books? Scott, no, I don't think I will. You know, a lot of people are saying this. Um, but you look at the wider internet response to this. I will say though, one thing that I, I, I think is fine. I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, you're coping. I don't think that's like hate or harassment. I think that's fine. Like it, there's like, it, there's a level, right? There's a line of like jokey back and forth debate and be like, oh, you're coping. That's fine. But there's some anima. I've seen people literally on this timeline be like, gen, people have been saying shit like genuinely, if you think this doesn't confirm it. I don't want to talk to you. I want to block you on all social. I think you're an idiot. I think you're ter- like, what are you talking about? It's a pizza bear game. Um, I have seen this too, and I want to address it. Um, a lot of people have been saying things along the lines of this. Um, I don't think Scott should be trolling. I don't think he is trolling, but especially with how serious of a topic this is. I've seen a lot of people say that this is a very serious topic and he shouldn't be trolling us. I don't know about you, but to me, it doesn't seem like a serious topic. Like, at least it doesn't seem more serious than any other lore debate in the fandom. Because, like, I understand that people are getting hate and harassment. I get it plenty for whatever side they decide on for these book canonicity debates. But that's not because it's confusing Right, like the harassment isn't caused because the books aren't confirmed to be in canon or not. The harassment is being caused by people being online and being harassing to other people. Right, like if Scott came out tomorrow and said, hey, the books are fully in continuity or hey, the books aren't in continuity. Either way, the harassment will continue because this isn't like I think people are framing this in the wrong way. I want to be super clear and direct about this. In the FNAF fandom right now, there is an issue with incredibly passionate fans who get too passionate and get angry and hateful and harass other people for their opinions on a game, whether or not they are founded in evidence or not. Scott confirming any part of the lore would not fix that issue. Scott could tomorrow verbatim make a Reddit post that would say the exact correct canon lore of the entire franchise. And while it would put me out of a job, it wouldn't fix this issue. The fandom would still be this toxic. I wouldn't even doubt that if it goes against a lot of commonly believed theories, people would probably send hate to Scott. So... I don't understand. I think it's a perspective issue where I've seen a lot of fans say that this is a serious topic because people are getting harassment over this debate. Solving the debate won't fix the harassment. We as a fandom need to stop harassing people. That's how the harassment stops. I like It's a very online take to me for someone to see this whole issue and be like, oh, well... 
obviously harassment is a natural end to this problem. No, it isn't. It is not natural or rational. It is not natural or rational to send harassment over something like this, right? Like the issue isn't that the lore is complex and unconfirmed and hard to figure out. The issue is that a lot of passionate fans in this fandom are so passionate that they have turned their passion into passionate anger. And I think that just means you need to take a step back, take a deep breath, and realize how low and little the stakes are in this debate. That's my take. I think my take is solving this debate will not fix the harassment issue in the FNAF fandom. The only way to fix the harassment issue is if you see someone being a harassing asshole, a harasshole, if you will. Sorry, I had to. We've been very serious for a while. I needed to lighten it up a bit. But here's genuinely, I think, the only way to fix the harassment and anger in this fandom. And I implore you, I've said don't do, don't do, don't do. This is the one thing. If you ignore the rest of this podcast, I might make it the cold open just to be super clear. If you watch this podcast and you do one thing after watching this podcast, I want you to do this thing. If you are on Twitter or Reddit or anywhere else and you see someone being hateful, harassing people, or otherwise just being an asshole for any reason, the block button is free. Don't engage. Don't try to fight back. Don't defend. Like, like if someone's being hateful to a creator, I understand the want to like defend that creator. Don't even engage because that's what somebody wants. Bullies want attention, right? So if you see someone harassing someone else or being genuinely hateful, like genuinely hateful to another person because of their opinions on FNAF, block them. Just block them immediately. That's the one thing I can take away from this is if you do anything in this podcast, just block the haters. The block button is free. My Twitter timeline got so much like better when I realized that blocking is easy and fun. <laughs> like it's so it's so nice. And like you don't no one has a right to for to, I've seen a lot of people get mad when they're blocked. Um and sometimes it's I guess sometimes it's warranted cuz some people just block anyone who criticizes them, which is like fucked. But there's this like idea online where if you block someone, it's because, like, they're right or something, which is crazy. Guess what? Uh, social media is meant to be consumed as entertainment. First and foremost, it is an entertaining media. It's like, sure, you can make friends, you can talk to people, but first and foremost, social media should make you happy. So if something doesn't make you happy, fucking block it. Like, it's not, it's not hard. Like, if I am online and I see something that makes me angry, I just block it. Now, there are some things that are serious that I don't, right? If we're talking like, oh, this is a serious topic, no, it isn't. If we're talking politics, I'm very, very openly political on Twitter, on Reddit, on YouTube. I've made plenty of political jokes on in videos. I'm very, very left-leaning, right? I'm incredible. Like, a Democrat would call me a socialist. I'm that left-leaning. Okay, so and I'm very outspoken about it because I believe in these causes, but I think it is a serious topic, right? Because I think there are genuinely my friends and myself and people I know who are harmed by a lot of political beliefs that are very active and alive in, in American in American society, in the world society. Right. And I'm not going to shut up about that, but I get to block randos 
Right? Like, I I loathe, and I'm going to be, this we could get very political, and then we'll go back to funny haha bear game. I absolutely, at this point, if you are an out-and-about, open-and-proud Republican, you have two options, in my mind. One, you have no idea what you're talking about. Or two, you are genuinely a hateful person. And if you're in my community, and you are, like, a very out-and-about, very far-right Republican, get out of it. I don't know how much more clear I can be on that. But anyway, um, I even vibe check a lot where when I stream, I'll say something very left-leaning and look at the chat and personally uh, block people from chat who are against that. Because guess what? People get to look at me and say, oh, you're forming an echo chamber. Good. Because I would willingly argue and debate with anyone from like the very left to the, even the center to like somewhat right-leaning because I think there is genuine like room for growth. And I'm not saying if you're a Republican once, you can never be a Democrat. You know, you can be young and stupid. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> but I think there is genuine ways from going. And as someone who is uh, like, I'm, oh, I, I, I look straight. I look like a guy and I'm very white. So I have a lot of privilege in this community and in this society where I need to use that privilege to be a shield for people who are more oppressed and people who like Republicans won't listen to a lot of people who they should listen to. So I can at least be a buffer for that. And I do try to take that responsibility seriously. Um, but at the same time, if you're like just an out and about openly hateful person, I'm going to block you because I don't want to engage with that. Sorry. You know, <laughs> um, anyway, long story short, if you see someone being hateful online, just block them. It's not worth it. And for the record, I think this comment from Scott confirms nothing. That's just how it is. That's my belief. Um, so let's actually talk about FNAF, shall we? I've got some questions pulled up. If you want your question or theory talked about on the podcast, you can email at, or sorry, you can email Freddy Fazbear Pizza Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, it is a pain to type, so you can copy it in the description. It's right there. Um, but our first question today from Avery, she, her, thank you for your question. And I, I picked this one first because I think it's relevant to what we talked about today. How reasonable is it for new fans to jump into the series at this point? Thank you for your question, Avery. And that's a fair question because this is a very, like, the story of these games are so intertwined and convoluted that it does seem, I, I would assume it seems very intimidating to start being a FNAF fan. Like, where do I even start? Um, and that's fair. I think it is reasonable for new fans to jump in because, from my opinion, the games are very um, new user friendly because we, Avery, I assume you and myself and a lot of us in this fandom, we are deep in the trenches, right? Like we know every game, we know every lore detail, we are deep in the trenches, fighting it out. I get that. But as a newcomer to the franchise, that's not how you would interpret these games. I would assume you would see these games and be like, huh, Security Breach is a new game. I'll play that. Oh, this game's not that good. I'm going to go on the Internet. Oh, people say that this game's okay, but there's better games. I'll play those ones. And then once you play like three or four games, you're like, man, what's going on in these games? And then you're willing to get invested. Right? Like, it's not... I don't think a new FNAF fan would approach this franchise and be like, man, I have to play all these games to learn what the lore is about. I think they would play a couple games, and if they like it, then they'll get interested and learn it on their own. I think that's how it works, personally. Or, I mean, hell... Channels like mine, Game Theory, Hyperdroid, FNAF, uh, ID's Fantasy, Demuted, Not Real, Not Real Name, Not At All, uh, Impulse Evan, like everybody. Everyone, I think these channels help to bring new FNAF fans in. Not because we tell them what the lore is, but I think it's a good starting point. 
I think a lot of people would be like, oh, let me just look up like what the lore is. And they'll watch one of these videos. And somewhere in that video, the person who's making it responsibly will say, and again, this is just a theory, but this is what I think is true based on this evidence. And if you are a FNAF fan and you really want to get into this franchise, when you hear that, you go, oh, maybe I should start doing some digging. You know, so I think it's I personally think is genuinely reasonable for new fans to jump in at any point. There is one hurdle, though. I think the current state of the fandom is turning a lot of people off of the FNAF franchise. I think it's genuinely hurting FNAF. I've seen a lot of people, especially, especially with this new drama, I've seen a lot of quote tweets where people will be like, you guys are arguing this heatedly about, like, books? That's insane. I'm never joining this franchise. And that, when I see that, that hurts me. I'm like, that sucks. That somebody who might genuinely really enjoy this media will never try it because of the impression they get off of people on Twitter. Which, for the record, if you judge media based on how people on Twitter react, that's not a great that's not a great metric. People on Twitter are crazy. Trust me, I'm on Twitter, I know. Um, but I, I would say if anything, the fandom is maybe turning people away. Which is a shame because I would say like 80 to 90% of the FNAF fandom is really genuinely nice people. Really it's one of the most talented fandoms I've ever seen. Because the fan art, the music, the fan games, there are so much creativity in the FNAF fandom that I don't think it's celebrated enough. It's one of the most creative fandoms I've ever been a part of and I've ever even seen. It's crazy. So it, it does it's a shame. But I, I do think it is reasonable for new FNAF fans to join the franchise, at least nowadays. Who knows, maybe 10 games later we'll talk. But at that point, if you're joining a 20-game franchise, you should probably play some of the earlier games first. But thank you for your question. Um, our next question comes from LOL Space, he, him. Uh, how important is Remnant in the modern story? Uh, again, I, I tried to be thematics. Not all of them are, but I think this is a relevant question as well. I don't know. Um, thank you for your question, but like for Remnant specifically, it's hard to tell because Remnant, as like memed on as it gets, I don't know how important Remnant has ever been. I think Remnant is an explanation of something that didn't need one. So it's a matter of how important is it, right? Because like the way Remnant is and functions in the story is it's explaining how the animatronics get possessed and how it's possible for them to change animatronics. It's useful. I don't think it was ever necessary as an inclusion. I think we could have crossed that gap otherwise. As far as the modern story, it's interesting. I feel like Remnant is still important. But as always, it's in a backdrop of importance. It's important to explain why things are happening, but it's not necessary. So, for example, reviving Afton is, seems to be like the main goal of these modern FNAF games is someone is trying to bring Afton back. And the current way that seems to be happening is taking the Mimic 1 program, training it on Fazbear and William Afton, and inserting it into a robot that either has the Mimic 1 program already embedded into it, like the Mimic, or something that has any modicum of William Afton on it, whether that be his literally literal flesh and blood, any possible remnant of him, his agony, something like that. And combining this physical thing with this digital thing can bring back William Afton. I feel like that's where the modern FNAF story is going. And that's been and that's a very very common theory. That makes a lot of sense. Where Remnant would come in then is questionable. Would it be that we have William Afton's Remnant? I don't think so. Would it be that consider 
the beginning of Security Breach and like the end of it reiterates that people are going missing. So if whoever is trying to bring back, if whoever is trying to bring back William Afton is killing off a bunch of people, then they would essentially be collecting Remnant, most likely. So I think Remnant is important to understand the motivations behind our characters, but I don't think it's a necessary detail to understand the story of the games. Because if you just say, like, oh, Vanny's trying to bring back William Afton and she's killing people to do it, that's honestly serviceable. You can then say, and she's doing that because she's collecting remnant to power something or something like that. Or, you know, like there's a, you can then do that and it's important then. But I would say it's like front and foremost, you need to understand this to understand what's going on. That's my take. Um, but thank you for your question, uh, LOL Space or LOL Space. I'm not sure if you want me to pronounce that or not. Next question comes from Tyler Heathay. Thank you for your question. What if the ruin scooper was originally used to take the puppet out of Lefty? And that's why we don't see Lefty burn. Maybe Henry had other plans for the puppet, but then where are they now? Um, thank you for your question. I really like this interpretation. So I I have a bit of a controversial theory that people did not like very much, um, where I was it was came out after Ruin, and it was saying that Henry built Mexus. And Henry built Mexus to hide himself after FNAF 6 to do experiments on the puppet to try to bring back Charlotte Emily. Um and go watch that video for the full evidence because it's a I, I am really proud of that theory, whether or not it's true. I think it's really well evidenced. Um, but one of the big cruxes of that theory was in FNAF 6, we never see Lefty Burn. We on screen see William Afton, uh, Scrap Baby, and Molten Freddy burning on screen, but it never shows Lefty. And then when we played Ruin, horizontally, we see three burn rooms. We never see a fourth. And like, okay, we don't see the whole facility. But then in the Burn Trap boss fight, we use three buttons to burn Bond Trap. Bond Trap. We use three buttons to burn Burn Trap. Again, three. To me, that feels like maybe there was never a fourth room. And maybe Lefty was never burned. Because Henry, instead of burning Charlotte and wanting her to go to heaven or whatever, was like, you were taken too soon. Let me try to remake you. Which follows a parallel of the Silver Eyes, where in the Silver Eyes, Charlie is Charlotte Emily, a robotic recreation implanted with the memories of Charlie so she can live on. So I think that makes a lot of sense. If that is true, which it very well might not be, but if that is true, then the Ruin Scooper, like you mentioned, is important. The Ruin Scooper could be used to take the puppet out of Lefty. I don't know if that's necessary, because I feel like Lefty would have been built with a way to release the puppet although it does say fuse so maybe it's necessary i don't know it does take an endoskeleton out of a suit which seems like would be necessary to get the marionette out of lefty so that's a good idea but the scooper the original scooper remember was in a remnant injector first and foremost so i was under the i was under the assumption that that scooper was henry's way of if i ever figure out how to make a good Charlie robot. I can take the remnant of the puppet that has like Charlie's remnant out of the puppet and inject it into this better body for her so she can live on. That's how I was reading it. I don't know if that's true, but that's how I was reading it. Which again, if that's true, then the ending of Ruin, specifically the scooper ending, would see the mimic suddenly be injected with some remnant like Michael was back in sister location, which could be interesting. I don't know. I don't know if FNAF fans would like that. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I like that. I think that's really interesting. Uh, but Tyler, thank you for your question. And our last question today is from 
uh, Glace, they, them. Thank you for your question. I believe I'm pronouncing it right. You said long A is in Glacier, so I believe it's Glace. I think I got that. Um, do you think Cassie could have been the person to free Gregory by playing the Balloon World arcade machine? She seems like the only person who could have done it. And in the daycare room in Ruin, everything looks new with the mask, except the arcade machine, which kind of points to it being her. Glace, thank you for your question. I think that's super, super plausible. Personally, if I'm thinking of who freed Gregory, there's really only three options in my mind at this point. And that's Cassie, Cassie's dad, or Vanessa slash Fanny. The reason I think it's Cass it could be Cassie's dad is I think he's probably the one who was leaving those arcade conspiracy notes in the duffel bag logs from Security Breach. And that would make a lot of sense if he's the one to find uh, Balloon World. He was already looking into it. Cassie makes a lot of sense because, like you said, everything looks new except for that arcade machine. So maybe she was the one that broke it. And we know that she is connected to Gregory. So if she, for whatever reason, found out that Gregory was being harmed by this machine it would make a lot of sense that she would be the one to fix it but then the question becomes is it or the the, the question i hear a lot is why would i think it's vanessa or, Van or vanessa or vanny um and honestly to me the ending of help wanted 2 is why i think it might have been vanessa slash vanny mainly vanny um in the end of help wanted 2 we see vanny destroy the part of glitch trap that was attached to cassie's dad so if that's what she's doing, the only way I could explain that rationally and still be her, leave her be Vanny is sort of a Saw parallel. In Saw, uh, John Carter gets the, I, I, I might be fucking up these names, I haven't watched Saw in forever. John Carter gets an apprentice named Amanda, and she wants to be his only apprentice. So when other people be, be like when other characters either are in an apprentice role or help the guy behind Saw, she is very hostile towards them. Um, and I believe she even kills them. It's been a long time. I just, I, I didn't mean to bring up the Saul parallel, but a lot of people have been doing it in my comments and I, I somewhat remember what they're talking about, but it's been a long time. Um, but if Vanny wants to be Glitchtrap's only apprentice, then if Glitchtrap starts making more, she might want to get rid of them like take Glitchtrap out of them. And if Help Wanted 2 takes place after Security Breach, I see a through line show up. I think it makes a lot of sense, right? So Gregory becomes GGY and Vanny's like, fuck no, I'm Glitchtrap's only apprentice. Especially because if the books are to be believed, Gregory or GGY refers to themselves as the wizard's favorite apprentice. So like, uh, fuck no, I'm his favorite. So if Vanny sees that and knows that while well, Princess Quest keeps me contained, Balloon World probably keeps him contained. And then she goes to beat Balloon World to free Gregory. It would make a lot of sense to me if that's how Security Breach starts. Vanny, being jealous over GGY getting favoritism, frees Gregory. And now, Gregory looks around and goes, I don't know why I'm here. I, I think my name's Gregory. I need to get out of here. And now Vanny needs to track him down and he ruins everything. Gregory ruins everything for Vanny. So Vanny's like, okay, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have freed him because I freed him and now he ruined everything. And then Help Wanted 2 happens. And in Help Wanted 2, Cassie's dad begins to get taken over. Vanny, again, too jealous to let another apprentice happen, goes, well, last time I freed someone, they went and ruined everything. I need to get Glitchtrap out of Jer out of Cassie's dad, 
but I need to make sure Cassie's dad can't ruin everything. So while he's still in that digital space, she takes Glitchtrap out of him and leaves him there. So now he's trapped. Now he's essentially dead. He can't do anything, but he's not an apprentice either. She learned from her mistake with Gregory. That's how I see it. So I'm personally honestly leaning that Vanny is the one that frees Gregory with Balloon World. That's where I'm at. I think that makes the most sense. That being said, Cassie also makes a lot of sense. So I could totally see it being Cassie. Uh, but thank you for your question, Glace. And I think that'll about do it for today. Um, I don't know how long we're going, but it feels like we're about that time. And I'm really tired. It's like 10 in the morning. I'm EP. I got to edit this. So we'll we'll call it there. Uh, once again, if you want your theories or questions talked about on the podcast, you can send them into Freddy Fazbear Pizza Podcast at gmail.com. The email is in the description. Um, this is your podcast available on all platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, and that's actually it. Um, I'm too lazy for anything else. But until next time, as always, thank you for watching the Freddy Fazbear Pizza Podcast, where the pizza abilities are endless. We hope to enjoy your future patronage. Bye-bye for now.